Hi, it's Nardwar, the human serviette from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And you're listening to Cypher Sounds and Peter Rosenberg. Do, do, loo, do. One ep is life. And then he holds it. You see that, Cypher? He holds it. <laughs> what is this room he's in? What is this wooden room? Hey, hey, what's oh. up? Oh, you sorry, you sorry. I'm sorry. Come on, man. Good morning. Sorry. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. By the way, so I asked Nardwar for drops just because I reached out to him randomly. We went back and forth. I was like, yo, man, let me get a drop from you. I I, I got for I got one for real late and one for one app. And I did not ask for video. He mm. sent video. Great. And he wore a different outfit in each video. <laughs> Shout out oh, to Nardwar. I need serviette. I gotta get. I got. I can get some good drops. I just forget to get them. I gotta. Some. I gotta get reminded somehow to get some good drops. But let me. Let me tell you something. I'm not forgetting. Go ahead. Do it right now. I, the fall in love with Scythe tour. You hear me? Ooh. The fall. Guess what it is. Fall. In the fall. My favorite season. Hoodie season is coming up, and I'm going on the road, and I need. Listen to me. Go ahead. I need, Go ahead. I need you to come out. Please do me some numbers, please, so my agent doesn't drop me in these clubs. Don't think I'm a <laughs> fucking loser. October 6th, I'm in Philly, Helium Comedy Club. That's a Wednesday. Yes, it's an off night because one up is off. We're fucking off. October right. 6th, Helium in Philly. October 20th, I'm going up. To that Griselda land, Buffalo, New York, October 20th at the Helium Comedy Club. Let's get progressive. October 21st, I'm at the Vermont Comedy Club in Burlington, Vermont. It's woke as fuck. Okay. The wake up, Wokies. Bring your maple syrup and your Birkenstocks and let's get it popping. And then um, I got a couple other dates, but this is the ones my agent sent me. These are very important. I got a new manager. I got a new agent. I need, yes, I oh, need wow. support. Okay. November the 3rd, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina at this spot called Good Nights. Um, you know who I'm talking to, the interracial couple. That's my friends. I'm not going to say your name on here until you show up. If you show up, I'll shout you out. By name, but the white girl and the black guy, the Wanep fans, pull up, pull up, pull up. But yeah, so come see me live, man. Uh, some Rebel. of them, I got my boy Will Sylvans with me. Some okay, of them okay. just be me. That's, It'll be fun. That's enough. That's enough. What do you mean? What do you mean? We've we've heard enough now. I think. No, and follow me on TikTok. <laughs> so real quick, yeah. um, before you say that, I want to give a shout out to all of our Patreon people, guys. Thank you. We are we are at 498 patrons. So this is the week, man. A couple of y'all finally go, you know what? These guys deserve it. We're we're staring. Saif, are we coming up? We're probably what a month, a month or two away from a year since One App is is dead premiered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And would you been, say that's right? We would we've been delivering. You understand? We like that milkman delivering dick to your mom when your dad's at okay. work. All right. You know what? That's not how I was going to frame it. But guys, we appreciate all of you. And five hundreds a milestone. We hope we hit it this week. But we appreciate you guys. Oh, and look who's here! Our guest for the day. Who's here? Hey, good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> good evening. Which, and which good one night. is it? That's Scythe. That's David Banner. That is David Banner, our good friend <laughs> David Banner from MI Cricket Letter Cricket Letter I Cricket Letter Cricket Letter I P P I. That's right. Sitting <laughs> sitting on the same porch that you see him on on many of his social media videos. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> How you doing, man? Man, I'm actually better than I ever been in my life, man. I can say that um I'm one of the few people, bro, that uh the pandemic has been the best time as a businessman in my life. Interesting. You know, and it's Interesting. a, it, it's a, it's, it's a funny space because so many people are suffering and, um, you know, to, 
you know, I I was I wasn't gonna say anything about it, but one of my friends said you you have to be the shining example that you can make it through, mm. and y- your success is not a poke at anybody else's hard times. That's true. You know, so I'm 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 awesome, bro. <laughs> That's yo. It's so funny. I had a I had I'm a fading out. Call. You see me? I'm fading out. No, you're still there. Uh, it's for us. You're you're per- you're perfectly good. You don't see my shoulders green screen and that like hilarious. Oh oh I'm yeah, I'm fading into the matrix. Hilarious. All right. Yeah, sorry. you do, you do have you have a little Back to the Future fading picture vibe yeah. going, but um, somebody called yeah, Chuck Berry. I had a. Uh, I had a call the other day with a a, a business guy, uh, a guy at ESPN, and mm-hmm. he was asking me how how I've been, and not only it's it's weird because not only did I, has the pandemic been good for me for the most part, but the funny thing is is my life before the pandemic, in in twenty eighteen and nineteen, I got divorced and it was a terrible time, yes. and then twenty. And 21 have been significantly better. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of can't feel guilty about the fact that, you, you know, you're flourishing. It doesn't mean you don't have empathy or, or mm-hmm. sympathy, obviously. But, yeah, I feel you, man. I'm glad to hear that. You seem like. Well, the type of person you are and the people like you, like you like to be home. You like to be home. You You are lucky enough to have a job where they set up the equipment in your crib and you can. Mm-hmm. Work both your jobs from home. Mm-hmm. You're living the life. Yeah, I know. I I really going back to regular full time mm-hmm. regular life is not. It doesn't really interest me in in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I want to be able to go to events. I want to go to a Cypher Sounds comedy show. I want to be able to go to a David Banner concert. You want to go mm-hmm. do those things. But as far as the actual operating from home, yeah, you're right. I I'm very comfortable behind this green screen. I got a noose ready to go. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, something, something that I, I want to say, though, before we get too far into it. Um, I like to tell both of you all um, how much I appreciate not only what you all bring to hip hop, but who you all both are as men. Both this of you like, all. That's why I wanted this guy on. Both of you all are historic, have historically always been been good to me and been good men in general you know cypher um i know we're gonna get into me and your relationship so i don't have to spill that the people know but like rosenberg what i want to say bro is that that you bring texture um to hip-hop and it's crazy because you say you say you say you say some things that I, I believe that other people should say and that it's not your responsibility to say and you still say it and uh, you don't have to do that. There's a lot of people who are in your position. Um, you've made a whole lot of moves and you don't you don't have to be as honest and forthcoming as you are. And I know in my career, people think being that way makes you money and it doesn't necessarily make you money or give you opportunities. You know, um, the crazy thing about my career is for a very long time, most of my money came from Disney, Marvel, Hennessy. I own a multimedia company. People don't know. How you doing? I score movies, video games, commercials, um, Gatorade, you know, PepsiCo, all these different places. And people think, you know, me being revolutionary or me being conscious that that helps my situation. It doesn't. It's just that I'm one of the best at what I do. And I turn stuff in on time. Can I curse, by the way? Thank you. Shit, I was holding it in. I turned my shit in on time. <laughs> and, I, and I just wanted, right, to, tell, right. I, I wanted to tell you both um, uh, how much I appreciate it. And Rosenberg, like I told you before, I'm going to explain to you when I see you in person the reason why we haven't had an opportunity to spend more time. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's a reason why. I'll okay. tell you too. All right. Well, first of all, I appreciate that more than you know. Um, I really, really do. Because those same things that I feel obligated to um, speak honestly about, mm-hmm. not only does it not uh, make me money and, and make my career actually go less far 
I mean, I've done great, but I could have been further along. Um, it holds you back in some ways. And also because maybe I'm not the one who has to say it or in some people's eyes, not the one who should say it. Um, it doesn't always make for, you know, feeling necessarily uh, popular, beloved, uh, supported um, by some people, et cetera. Well, well, what I will, well, what I will tell you um, in my newly found wisdom um, <laughs> is that it, it, it actually sustains you. You know, um, I learned something actually from Erica Badu that changed my life. She doesn't even know she taught me this. We were never meant, humans were never meant to be famous. You think, you think of fame as a waterfall. You get as close as you can to fame. You stick your hand in it. You get what you need. And you go back to being a human being. You know, if you notice, once a person really gets famous, that's when the, that's when the clock starts ticking. Mm. You know, I used to be mad because I, I knew how talented I was. There's not too many people on this planet. I don't give a fuck what nobody saying. I can name off most of them who can go in the studio alone by themselves and complete a whole album. Now, it may not be what it could because I got I got a whole team that supports me now. I barely touch anything. But the fact that in the beginning of my career, I was doing it all. You know, uh, I would I would wake up in the morning and I would work the record stores. Doing drive time, I would do the radio stations. At night, I would do the clubs, and then after the clubs, I would snipe and do my own street teaming by myself, putting up poster wow. boards and stuff. I built a studio in my van. Like, so if a DJ needed a drop back in the day, or somebody needed a verse, I'd be like, come out to the van. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of the DJs in the South love me so much, because, you know, really my career started with $100. I was dead broke in Mississippi, but I, I burned 100 CDs. Sold them for $10 a piece, made $10,000, uh, took $5,000, bought a van, and then took the other $5,000 and pressed 5,000 CDs and sold those. And that's how my career started. So what I want to tell both of you all is, you know, that's, that, that looking at the light, you were never meant to, to, to step into that light. You were meant to be illuminated by it and allow it to show your talents and what you bring to the world, but don't step into it. It'll actually be the reason why you'll have a longer sustainable career, in my opinion. Interesting. And when did and when did Erica tell you this? She didn't. Like I, I watched her career. If you notice, Erica don't be around all the time. Yeah. She 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 be she be in Texas raising her children. That's right. And then she'll come, get whatever she need out of the water. You know what I'm saying? Go on mm. tour, and then she'll float back off. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you go to the waterfall to get your mm -hmm. your necessity, you know, the necessary water you need to survive. And then you go mm -hmm. back to your camp. You know, um, Kendrick Lamar is the best example I can say of that in this generation. I love, Kendrick you know, when, when it's Ken when it's Kendrick's time, it's nobody else's time. But when yeah. it's not his time, he don't dip in and out. He go and get what he need out of the water and then he goes home. Yeah, I've been saying that about Kendrick lately. Any, you know, anytime they're like, hip-hop sucks nowadays, and all the rappers sound like this, and I'm like, what about Kendrick? Well, well, Kendrick Kendrick isn't heard a lot because he's spending so much time snacking on your top five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, I'm and not this, gonna, uh... this time, Kendrick went home, had a baby. He's lived a whole life. You can tell mm -hmm. now he's gearing up to come back out. Mm -hmm. he exactly. Put out his, he put out his cousin baby Keem, he jumped on a few joints there mm -hmm. and then it feels like the time is almost here but yeah, you're right coming. he's very good at that man i love that um now, now say you want me to play this video yeah let me let me tell you where all this came from i actually i was with dave Chappelle. i can't stand you drinking out of a spider-man mug when your name is banner how can you mix the d oh that is marvel yeah sorry apologies <laughs> i'm thinking batman yeah. um Recently, I was with Dave Chappelle and Talib Kweli, and Talib Kweli got a message from David Banner. Text message, I think. And Talib Kweli and, and Chappelle started talking about how they always get messages from David Banner just to check in. 
not asking for anything, not asking you to be on anything or go somewhere, just making sure you good. And it made me remember how he used to do the same for me back in the day. Uh, this is before iPhone. This is when it was like harder to text message on a BlackBerry. So, and then it's coincidentally, this comedian, a good friend of mine, Nathan McIntosh, me and I told you about him before, Rosenberg. He always, so he loves Pusher. He always talks about Pusher. And me and him always talk hip hop. And he goes, yo, I saw your name come up in a David Banner interview. And he goes, it really was powerful, even though it was a quick shout out. And, and he sent me the whole interview. I had to search and comb through this like a like a bitch looking for my name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But this is what David Banner said. All right, here we go. Here, let's let's hear it. You're going to need me one day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, I could just, I never really thought about how dangerous it was because I had never been to New York before. Yeah. You know, um, just to give people context, we were in, I was in a group called Crooked Letters back yeah. when Noriega was running a whole rap game. And, and that was to say he was signed to the same label. And I have to say, like, Noriega uh, was one of the few people who really supported Southern music when nobody else was supporting music. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Cypher Sounds was another person in New York that was really giving love before anybody else was. But... Um, I, I, they had that's shelved it. us. We was in a group it. called Crooked. Right. He said, "I want to know. I don't want to hear about nobody else. Just me." I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck else he was talking about in that interview. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> but yo, that meant a lot to me, man, yeah. because, um, like I was, I called, I called David after that, David Banner, mm. and we were talking about, yo, I feel a lot of people have amnesia and don't give me my credit. Mm. And it's good to get those 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 shout outs, those flowers. Well, let me let me let me tell y'all why that was so important. Um, I was living homeless, sleeping on, on, on the floor in in New York. I was actually actually sleeping on Wendy Day's floor. Um, wow, Wendy Day. Wow. And and um, who's Wendy Day for the people? Uh, she was the creator of Rap Coalition. Okay. And um. And so what happened was is that I was in a group called Crooked Letters and um, we were unsigned hyping the source and we ended up getting a deal with Penalty Records. But the thing was, we were smart, we, you know, both college graduates, but, you know, but street, Southern and rapping like Southerners. Um, so Penalty signed us because we were a hot group but they didn't know how to market us. And so we had got shelled. So I moved to New York homeless. Um, it's funny, I had, you know, $500 and a, a dirty pistol and moved to New York and didn't know, you know, the gun laws in, in, in New York. And, and I'll tell y'all a, a, a quick side story. Uh, but no, I probably won't tell y'all that. I should tell y'all that. But we were, we, um, so I went to New York and I went to penalty every morning. And you got to think a six foot two black dude standing at Neil Levine's, standing in front of Neil Levine's office. Like I'm going to be here every day until my album come out. I literally stood in front of penalty every morning before everybody got there. And um, so they decided to put our record out. I believe just to, you know, just so Neil could send me back to the crib. <laughs> um, I went to the tunnel one night you know, to 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 get um to get my record played and uh me myself and uh I went in that was the first time I ever um you know had a doctor's appointment getting frisked to go into a fucking club. I ain't <laughs> never been frisked like that. I I'd have visited I'd have been to DC and never been frisked like that. Yeah. You know, doing politics. But I went in and 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 Cypher was very kind to me. You know, he was on, you know, he was working. Everybody knew who he was. He was coming on right before Flex. And he played our record. And he was very, very fucking kind to me. And this was before David Banner. This is before I produced. This is before anybody knew who I was. And he may not remember that. And that's the kind of stuff that's genuine and means the most to me. And most of them cats in New York wasn't fucking with the South. 
You know, people started fucking with the South because they had to. You know, and I can honestly say when it wasn't hot, Noriega loved the South. Cypher Sounds played our fucking music. You know what I'm saying? And so for those who don't give history, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to those selfish fucks. (laughs) History is going to eat them up too. One of the things people never noticed about me on all of my records, I always gave it up to the West Coast. Because I felt like when the South was coming on, people tried to ignore the West Coast for a long time. And I realized that if I didn't give that same respect, when the South time was over, people was going to forget about the South. Right. So if in my, when I was shining the brightest, I turned around and extended my hand to people who, who historically, you know, set the game up for me, that maybe when the South time is over, they would do the same. Right. It's funny you say that, too. I've had a couple of circumstances recently where in interviews with cats who aren't that experienced doing interviews, but they're 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 getting going they're They're they're, they have some popularity. Mm -hmm. They've told a story about their past. I I always ask people how they got started. And, And when they have their got started story, there's always people who helped early. Mm-hmm. And it just happened this week that the person I was talking to was like, yeah, you know, this dude did blah, 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 blah. And in my mind, I don't want to make it awkward in the interview in case there is a negative vibe there. Mm-hmm. But I always want to tell them, unless you hate that person and they screwed you over. Mm-hmm. And frankly, even if they even screwed they, you even over, if they did, man. It, as long as they didn't harm you, yeah. just give the people their shout out if they help. Say their name. Mm-hmm. Don't just say a guy helped me out. Like, it, I always it, feel like those people are watching and going, oh, that guy's me. Why don't I deserve a, a shout out? You know, you know what I feel like that on? There's a lot that I've done for hip hop on a marketing from a marketing standpoint. And it's crazy because it'd be the white websites and the white blog sites that give me the most props about my marketing prowess. You know, um, when I put out my last album, The God Box, I created something that was called The God Boxes, which y'all can get from davidbanner.com. People thought that it was The God Box that sold, but I created a box of consciousness. I created this box and I put everything in that box that helped me become conscious. I I made sort of like a, a, a consciousness starter kit. And there were several blogs that said this this was one of the greatest marketing employees maybe in hip-hop history. And I told him, first of all, the reason why it was so successful because it wasn't a ploy. I really wanted to help people have like this, 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 this doorway into what I had started realizing. And I saw so many people, one of the biggest artists on this planet, like straight up bit my my concept and and i don't mind helping hip-hop because that's a part of it but shit if you're gonna take my idea at least say yo i got this idea from david banner i give you an example um the honorable um um minister lewis farrakhan he called me on the phone and was like david banner um your god box gave me the motivation uh, uh, or, or gave me, because he said Allah had, had, had set it on my heart how to release my album, but the God box was the physical manifestation of how I should go about it. And he was like, man, I appreciate it. He called me and like told me this, and I was blown away. Like, wow, the minister's watching what I'm doing? Yeah. Cat Williams called me and said, David Ben, I want to pay your company. Like, can you can you come and do it? That's the stuff. That means something because what yeah. they don't, what, what people don't realize, if you invest in the people who inspired you, you can keep them going so they can continue to inspire. You feel what I'm saying? But I mm-hmm. think this has become such a narcissistic. Um, there's so many things about hip hop that I see that we have allowed it to be bought. We we know I don't say bought. We gave that shit away. We gave hip hop away. And now we make hip hop to impress uh, uh, groups of people who really, you know, are, are neither here or there. When in actuality, what they liked about hip hop the most is when it was 
rawly our culture. It was just raw. And it was an and it, it was it was an example of life in general. So what I what I tell you all when I tell you, Cypher, fuck them. Don't worry about those who don't give. We just have to be the consummate example. Because what I learned from my therapist is that a lot of times we assume that people know what we know. We assume yeah. that they had, like, I had both of my parents in the house. I had a father. If, if, if there was anything about my life in researching myself that made me into the person that y'all say that y'all like, it's my dad. A lot of people didn't have dads. You know what I mean? What's a dad? <laughs> my, my, my father. The person yeah, Sife doesn't, Sife doesn't know. That's fucked up. That's fucked <laughs> Life's been gone a long time. He started. He started fading away again. You saw that. He was like, oh, <laughs> yo, that 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 statement uh, raised true with me too. It's so funny. My therapist told me the same thing. This must be in a therapist handbook. People don't know what you know. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. And it's a and because once you learn insanity. something, it's just you. You don't. Right. They don't. You you think everyone knows it, and you also don't understand what else connects to that. You know, like all the street shit people talk about with me, I'm also a college graduate. I'm also a semester and a thesis away from my master's degree. I, I went, I was uh, an accelerated master's program. I'm th- I had a 3.987 wow. at the University of Maryland. Um, like there's different, it's not only what you know, it's, it's the rest of the information. It's how you were raised. It's your, it's your chemistry. You know, um, one thing about me that people don't know is um, I could count to a million in kindergarten. Um, when I was in the third grade, I read on a junior college level. Um, I've, I've always been hyper intelligent. As a matter of fact, I really think I was probably this smart in the third grade and it just caught up with me. <laughs> I wish I would have added on to it more, but hey, here we are. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. Because if you continue, if you start out that smart, yeah. at a certain point, if you keep going, you become a weirdo. Like you can yeah. only go so far and still be a normal person in society. Yeah. I, I want to be honest with y'all about something. And because I'm six foot two, full of muscles and a whole bunch of guns, I can say this. I am weird. And I, I don't have a problem with being weird because the real truth is um, the litmus test for normal are is america america's fucked up and twisted Mm. so i want to be weird i want to be an outcast that was that's what that's what the the name crooked letters was about if if the litmus test is uh is a crooked line and we are on the straight and narrow then that means that we are crooked Mm. if we're looking at most of society you know, what they do to our food, what they do to the drugs, what they're doing to our children, what they do to, to public water um, is sickening. If you, if one of the things that I liked about Donald Trump was Donald Trump ripped the veil off America and showed what she really was. Mm-hmm. And I would rather a snake bear its head so I can cut it off or yeah. I can at least deal with it or run away, whatever it may yeah, end yeah. up being. I'd rather know what it is. I'd rather know what it is. I'd rather know the truth. That is such, it is, it is really true. Like he, I was, I watched a little piece of his, uh, he had a rally yesterday mm-hmm. and I watched a piece of it. And when I see him, I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm like, how could the people who follow him mm-hmm. like fuck with him? Like from a, from a stylistically, you know, the way he presents to me um, and especially with the fact that he lost and the way he continues to portray himself. I'm mm-hmm. like, don't people See, like, this guy's a loser who's complaining. Don't they hate a loser who's complaining? And you Mm -hmm. realize, to your point, because he represents all the things that they really love, they look past the fact that Falsely represents. Falsely represents. Yeah, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying in that regard, too. That's a deeper deeper piece of it. But the core things, right? The racism, the, the racism, the xenophobia... The, the sexism, et cetera, because that's all so front and center and palpable, I feel like they look past the fact that he's a slick New Yorker who they would never normally want to talk to. And mm-hmm. because he's a whiner and a complaint, all those things fall to the wayside 
because of these core American values that we don't want to acknowledge are the core American values of hatred and bigotry. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Secretly, all of America, for the most part, if you look at it, America is based upon white supremacy. And I think one of the most powerful things about white supremacy is people who subscribe to that can say that other things don't exist and continue to move because it doesn't really affect them. So, so it's like, we can say, hey, I remember speaking on CNN, oh, was it CNN? It was, yeah, it was on CNN. I remember speaking on CNN and, you know, right after uh, so many of, of our people that, that's been murdered, but it was after one of the murders of an innocent black uh, man, you know, due to, pol due to police violence. And they was like, man, the white lady got on there. She's like, man, it's been a rough couple of years. And I said, you know, it's been a rough 350 years. Yeah, right. For us. And I said, the fact that you all are now seeing what it is, is the problem, is the example of true uh, uh, white supremacy. And, and I think what ends up happening is just like you said, Rosenberg, the, the core values of America, if you look at them without um, the, 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 the false love for the flag and patriotism and all this kind of shit, all of these isms, that's really, really fucked up, you know? And one of the things that I say to make it very simple to people, let's take away black and white. Let's just look at the Native American. The people who we believe historically were here first or were at least here when the white folks came, man, like their whole culture has 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 been absorbed and erased. You know, you look at buffaloes, millions of buffaloes were killed just to spite, not for not for their fur, not for their meat, just to spite the Native Americans. How we look at dogs in America, they're supposed to be buffalo running around this bitch the same way, and they're not. So for, for, for me, I, I appreciate these times. And, you know, I don't, I don't even want to go into, you know, this, this stuff they're trying to stick us with. But one of my homegirls out of New York, she was telling me about what they're trying to do to the, uh, the teachers. You know, if, 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 if they don't get stuck. And she said something that was really powerful. She said, maybe this is the best time in history Maybe all this time we've been trying to tell black people to get together that now this situation will force us to open up our own schools. It will force us to work together. It will force us to control our own reality because the real truth is if you don't have some type of sustainable income, it ain't, a, it ain't about a choice. They're forcing us every day and taking away through fear uh, um, the, 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 the so-called rights, like you said, that they always brag about, the free brag about. Okay, so let me ask you a tough question then, since you brought it up. So I'm, I'm very curious because I try my best to, to have, when I can, you know, intelligent discourse about the vaccine, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's all very broad stroke. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I got the vaccine very early, I'm vaccine comfortable. I'm a white person who's, you know, when it comes to um, medicine, um, anything related to doctors, I don't have a trauma related to that. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, frankly, do I see uh, are the people in my life over medicated? I could argue. Yes, I, I think mm -hmm. the people in my life are over medicated, um, but I don't have that experience. So for mm -hmm. me, it was relatively easy to do it. Let me ask you, because right now in New York, um, the black population in New York is at 17 percent vaccinated as opposed to white, which is somewhere in the, the 70s, close to 80 percent. Um, what is your number one concern um, and with the vaccine and how do you tie it to because you said it as trying to jab us, et cetera. How do you view the, the entire thing? Um. As a black man in America, I truly don't trust anything that America does. Um, I am a study of history. And um, somebody told me, somebody said a couple days ago, they were like, David Banner, you always blame everything on the white man. 
you know, you, you and, and I told him, I said, I don't blame white people for nothing. History does. I don't, I don't, I don't have to blame. I, you can just look at the history. You All you have can, to do is point to the text. Right. You can, you can pull the government FBI files that anybody can pull down off of the Internet if they chose to study and see the things that have been done historically. So the, the thing that I tell people is I don't give a fuck what you do. To be honest with you, just don't try to force something in my body. And the thing is, if your vaccine does what you say that it does, then let me die. Let me die. If you're vaccinated, you got on your mask. What the fuck are you worried about me for? You know, some of the things that I know for a fact, because I went to my doctor, I'm not, I try not to say anything from an emotional standpoint. I try to stand on actual facts because I tell all of my friends, uh, emotions are something like uh, bubble guts. You know, everybody gets them now and then and you shit out what you say, you, you shit out what you feel. And then, you know, it changes. Mm -hmm. um, I just hate the fact that there's certain things that are in those vaccines that I don't want in my body, period. There's certain, there's certain things that I, I don't agree with and the fact that they're forcing people. And then all of these people that talk about not shaming, um, uh, 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 people should have the rights. America is about freedom. Well, then we should be able to make a choice. And those who say, well, you are, you're infringing on my rights. You can make me sick. Well, if you got the shot and you're doing what the fuck you're supposed to do, why are you worried about me? Let me die. Let me die the way that I want to die. And the other thing that I have a problem with, with entertainers and these companies, if your shot is so great, then if something happens to the people who have taken the shot, why can't you be held responsible for it? What do you know about this product that you're already saying like, hey, if you take this shit, even though we make it, you take this shit, I can't be held responsible for what happens. Yeah. And that's you know? where I think, that's where the dishonest, th this is where, and again, as someone who's for the vaccine, that is still where I have a real problem because mm -hmm. what they need to do is come out and tell the truth. Yes. And anytime you get inoculated, the shit may go wrong for you. You know, mm -hmm. my, my brother got the shot. His arm hurt for two and a half months, mm -hmm. three months, his arm hurt, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't hear much about that being a thing. This is a small example, obviously, but mm -hmm. I didn't hear about that being a thing. There are going mm -hmm. to be people out there who take the shot and die. Now, mm -hmm. I do not think it's going to be as high a percentage of people as who get COVID and die. Mm -hmm. However, it is a real thing. And I think when we refuse to acknowledge that, you're already starting from a place that makes people distrust the whole right, thing. Right, right. And another thing, too, um, this is this is something that I wonder that I haven't heard one person talk about is when people talk about how real COVID is. One thing that I know in my studies is that the most intelligent thing for anyone to do is to create the problem and the solution. So if you look at these diseases, I am a true believer that anything that is God-like has been here since the beginning of time. And anything that pops up, where, what, where and why did it pop up? So the, the, the thing for me is that it's not that COVID is real or it's fake, but where did it come from? What's the purpose for it? I'm not denying that COVID exists because the real truth is this. And I haven't said this anywhere else, but because of how I feel about you all, I'll say it. I had COVID. Mm -hmm. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my whole entire fucking life. Be wow. clear. Be clear. But it didn't change the way that I feel about what they're putting into our bodies. I'm not saying that the monster didn't exist. All I'm saying is where and why. And we can't act like these countries... These labs, these people have not created things um, to manipulate society as a whole. And one thing that I want to tell everybody that calls us conspiracy theorists, I think that's a, I think that's very dismissive and it's not fair. It's nowadays, yeah. No, well, no, in general. Let me tell you why, Saif. Because if I can prove to you that it exists or that it happens, it's not a fucking conspiracy, nor is it a theory. A lot of the things that we see that are coming up in the news right now, I saw a meme 
that said all of us need to go and apologize to the conspiracy theorists because we see that this shit has happened. I never speak things that are not at least tied to history or haven't happened before. One of the things that I tell people is don't believe me. Just consider me. That's all that I'm asking people to do. Mm-hmm. Just consider. And I don't give a fuck what you think about me. Just think. That's dope. That's, Listen, that's I, I really I really appreciate this sentiment. I've recently mm-hmm. been having a bit of a um a mini transformation in my view of everything. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not, I stand where I am. I think the vaccine is the move for me. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it is. But my consideration for other people's views, when I have conversations that are thoughtful, it makes a lot more sense. And I mm-hmm. do get regularly disappointed with the pro-vaccine crowd, many of which are people I like, obviously, love, etc., mm-hmm. with the shouting down that we do. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's no need for shouting down. Now, mm-hmm. on the flip side of that coin, there are people who have your view, who, who are not you who the things that they choose to send around, mm-hmm. I'm like, you got to look closer at what you're sending. This isn't mm-hmm. what you want to be sending to represent what you're trying to, to, to mm-hmm. explain. That That's where I think the conspiracy theory talk can get thrown around extra because mm-hmm. there are people who are, they're newly diving into a subject yes. and they're getting caught up sending things that are not really good information. Mm-hmm. When I think, frankly, if you're just honest about your fears, yeah, and, I, and damn it, that's what I was about to say. Be on honest bo- on both sides. On both, both sides. sides. Just, say, on both sides. just say that you're scared and that you don't understand. I mean, it's the same thing that we're asking from these big pharmaceutical companies. Just say you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You experience. I saw I saw a meme that was so funny. It said, uh, um, uh, you know, vaccine folks, it said the, uh, the vax people are saying, do your research. <clears throat> and then b- below that, it said, you are the research. And that, <laughs> that, that shit was the funniest shit I've ever seen before. But but, but what, I, what I'll say, bro, and that's one of the things that I like about you both, man, is just, it's about having a conversation. I used to say that about my homeboys uh, who had just came into consciousness. I was like, you're not building to 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 help people get smarter you're building to show how smart you are you don't you don't really like when i talk to people or we're debating i'm actually to cert- a certain degree hoping that i'm wrong so i can learn something but because most people don't research it makes it easier for me anyway cuz i don't open my mouth if i don't know it a lot of people from the conscious community get mad at me because i'm not involved in every fucking thing and i tell them you know, if there's something wrong with the water, I don't, I'm not in the chemistry. I don't know what the fuck to say. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that most of these uh, uh, celebrities should be should talk about politics, should talk about social movements until you have the facts, because you end up fucking us up. And one of the things I noticed, like when I go on CNN, they don't have me uh, debating against Kid Rock. They don't have me debating against Justin Timberlake. They have me debating against uh, 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 social engineers, doctors, lawyers. Yeah. Now, even Ooh. though I even though I out debate most of them, I don't even think I'm qualified in a lot of cases. <laughs> and no, I'm serious. No, I know, but it's just a hilarious concept. Two things: number one, you wouldn't debate Justin Timberlake; he'd be on your side. Number two, you'd mop Kid Rock so badly they couldn't. <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy they match up the rapper with the social engineer yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. only and that, but that's a testament that's a testament to who you are well no i i think it's more because they haven't done their research about who they threw in front of the camera and then and it's funny because once they realize i'm smart they be like okay it's time to go to break <laughs> yo i want to i want to ask you a couple music things um okay. I've been having a conversation recently in Sife. I didn't have this with you, but so I was throwing out your, I was thinking about the David, David banner, your, your, your drop. Mm-hmm. And, and that was uh, when that came to be. And it got me asking is the first producer wow. drop stamp. Is mm-hmm. it, is it just blaze? Is that the beginning of uh, producer? It's funny you say that. Cause when I called him, he brought that up. When I said, I don't get my credit. 
that's the one thing he brought up to say but he don't get his credit. Yeah. Are you first? Well, this is what I say. I know that I wasn't the first to put a producer tag. I remember the dudes had the tumbling dice. Yeah. They had, a, they had a sound. Um, I don't recall anybody putting a name, but what I will say, I believe I was the first, but if history proves me wrong, uh, I know I'm the one that commercialized it. I know I'm the one that put it on the radio um, because I never forget uh, when T.I. put out Rubber Band Man, even though I had been putting my tags on my records way before then, the radio stations would take off my tags. Mm. And uh, they would edit my tags off. And T.I. called up to Hot and told him, don't touch my song. Play my song as, as I sent it. Right. So even T.I., I believe, should get credit, you know, for allowing the, wow. the, the records to stay the way that they are. Um, what, what I'll say is I think with this new generation, and I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about the elders, too. We have become so narcissistic. We believe by giving somebody else credit, it takes away from my shine. When what it does is it keeps history intact. And because we're that way, we're losing the history of hip hop. And I believe that, you know, just like any other thing, I believe rap is one of the only things that you don't know, have to know the history of, um, that you don't know, have to know how to do well. Um, and it's more about a lifestyle than it actually is about beats and rhymes. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, I'll say I have to do better with the things that are going on now, because one of the things that I told a Mississippi historian, um, he was pontificating about the history of Mississippi. And I asked him, I said, do you know who David Banner is? And he said, no. And I said, well, why would you expect these children to respect, the history that you love and you don't respect the history that they're making now. Mm. So, so I'll say regardless of who, who was first, second or third, they don't talk about any of us. So while we debate about who was first or who was second or who was the person that made it mainstream, let's talk about the fact that we're all being erased from history. And I believe. Well, thanks a lot, Banner. We were trying to have a fun hip hop conversation. <laughs> well, no, we're not, we're not psyched. Let me say the only reason why I do that because I'm serious about your history. No, of course, of course. I, I'm I'm serious about mine and yours because it is my belief that it is not what they'll think about you in two years. It's not what they'll think about you in twenty years. It's what they think about you in two hundred years if they yeah. know you existed at all. That's right. Um, right, it makes a lot of sense. This guy, I think. I just, I, wait, do you remember what year? What what year was Rubber Band Man? Well, no, I was putting my tags on my beats way before then, but I, I think that that's when it truly became because commercialized. But here's the thing: you put your tags in the beginning, right? Yep. The Just Blaze genius was he put it right before the verse started. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like the hook or the beginning, the intro was playing mm -hmm. and then right before the verse started, it'd be like, just blaze. So he's like, they can't edit this out Yeah, because you, the song's about to start. You want to know the history behind why I started doing my tag? Sure. That's um, what we're here for. Um, in the South, for some reason, they hid their producers. Yeah. Like I think Beats by the Pound, who did Master P music, Bro. should be thought about in the same way Pharrell and Timberland are. Absolutely. Like, mm -hmm. regardless of what you may feel, uh, Master P revolutionized the way that people put out music. 100%. And everybody changed how and the rate that they put out music. I mean, from yep. R&B to whatever you think about it. And because nobody talked about their produ uh, uh, the producers, um, Jay-Z would go, Just Blaze, you a fool! Kanye, you did it again, again, again. Right. They tag would go up a ten thousand dollars every time Jay Z right. would do that, and I was like, I'm doing, I'm, I'm producing all of these people, and you know, uh, I, I give you an example. To this day, most people don't know I, I produced uh, Thug Holiday for Trick Daddy. You know, and I, I was in the yeah, yeah and I didn't I, know that <laughs> yeah, like most people don't know. Most people don't know I did Tip Drill because my tag wasn't on it. You know, um, why was your tag not on it on both? Because um, a lot of times when I was going to the studio, I didn't put my tag on until 
after I mixed the beat. And a lot of times they would mix it before. It yeah, they would you. mix it before. It wasn't that Trick Daddy or Nelly or any of those people didn't put my tag or they took it off. It's just that I learned that I had to, you know, and sometimes people, believe it or not, and I know y'all know this, they would put out uh, two tracks. Yeah. So they would take the same beat, mix it, and, and send it off. And, 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 and um, in, in defense of Trick Daddy, I was just so happy to be, to have produced that record. I didn't give a shit whether they had the tag or whatever the hell it was on it. But what I'll say is that, so I said, since nobody will say my name, I'll put my name before my beats and make sure that people know who I am. Right. And that that is such a credit now, like the, the Metro Boomins of the world mm-hmm. and all these cats, I mean, they're able to live on such a different mm-hmm. level. Because here's the thing, right? Oh, Some- and people don't talk about Clinton Sparks either. Clinton Sparks was putting the tag on his on his joint early. Yeah, that really, is true. Really early. So I, I, I mean, if we're gonna do this, if I want people to to, I want to throw the competitors at least in the ring. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a really good way of putting it. But now these cats all get to to do it, and it's seen as nothing, and it's such a benefit to their careers. I just wish some of them could realize, like Mustard figured it out. Mustard. He adjusts his tempo-wise really well, so it always it's works with the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they stick it in. I'm like, nah, it's man. It's beat. You don't it's make off it off beat. beat just to get your shout out. You can't do that. Well, I put it on. I I put it in the drum machine and put it on 16 levels anyway, and adjust the tempo like you say, just to make sure that it fits the song. Yeah. Wow. This is this is good stuff, man. Yo, listen, can you can you be a regular contributor whenever we need some life advice? We need a moment. We're not as big as CNN. <laughs> we, I mean, this is what I tell y'all. If 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 I have time, um, y'all y'all are gonna be really really proud when you see what I'm doing. Um, I stepped back about 15 years ago and realized that um, I needed to have freedom, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Things are going so well with me. Uh, shit, y'all. I got, I got fucking shoes. I got shoes, clothes. You know what I mean? Um, I run a multimedia company. We're about to start shooting our films. Um, my podcast was more, and um, I want to give a real uh, big shout out to Combat Jack. You know, I, I want to say I see so many people with podcasts, and Combat Jack. Um, influenced me in a way that um, I, it's, it's amazing. And, he, and the things that people were doing so early on that everybody is doing now, I know he was the one that really influenced me as it pertains to podcasts. And if you go back and look at the David Banner podcast, which I want y'all to subscribe to, um, in, in the first episode of our podcast, I wore a combat jack shirt, I mean a hat, to do just what we were talking about, give back to the people who influenced me throughout history. And I could just say that that he was a big reason why I started, you know, down the podcast uh, um, path a lot earlier than most people did. Yeah, um, he, Combat Jack also is a guy who gave us our flowers, which we always appreciated because he came mm-hmm. after us. But yeah. he, he took it in a whole different direction. But he always made sure. Oh, you guys didn't even know y'all was doing a podcast. I saw, I saw that. I, I, I'm a study here. I, I, I love our culture so much. I saw that was like, damn, they were making history, and didn't even know it. Necessity oh, yeah, is a motherfucker, ain't it? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. The way the way that the whole podcast started was definitely like not what reason why podcasts start now. You know what I mean? No, and, and also. Were, a shout out to Nori too, who always continues to give us our flowers. Super yeah. appreciated because he's can the number I, one. Can guy. I can I make a shirt for you all? Like and, and, and y'all have to yes. wear every podcast. Say, yes. I'm the reason why you eat and pay me, bitch. <laughs> yes, I would definitely wear that. <laughs> Banner, Banner, you'll like this. We always say that when it comes to podcasts. I'm sorry to our audience who's hearing this for the thousandth time, but when it comes to podcasts, we're like the old school rappers who show up to the club who no one's nah, heard of. And we're like, nah, we were in the park. Y'all, we can't get in plus six. We were there. We were the ones. They're like, yeah, yeah, old man, keep it moving. That's us. Well, in I, have a, 
there's a, I have this I have this vision that I always think of. It was um I was with Hove somewhere at a concert. I forget where it was a big, big concert. And and I say peace to Hove and everybody else. Hove gets in the Maybach, mm. starts driving out. When he gets through the gate, Cool Herc is at the other side of the gate and Cool Herc knocks on the window and Hove rolls down the window and gives him a, a lot of love. But I was like, oh, we're cool, Herc. <laughs> that's you know that's right. And we're, and we're not going to Hey, remember me? And I, yeah. I'm not saying nothing against Jay. Jay gave him. Like, it's funny because, like, Jay's, Jay's driver. That, Jay, Jay's, Jay's put Jay at, at, um, at Yankee Stadium, I think. Jay took Herc out of the crowd and, like, mm-hmm. had Yankee Stadium salute him. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's done that before for sure. Yeah, but yeah. I, but it was just a vision of, like, how what this man did – was now uh, making able for this other guy to drive out of this amazing concert he just did in a Maybach, and and the guy who started it was outside. Like, hey, but that's hot. That's historically, you know, that is what always happens. I think in culture, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and, it, and it's inherently fucked up. Listen, I and I feel a lot worse about it when it comes to the legendary rappers who started this game. Um, and God willing, when this Universal Hip Hop Museum opens and when different things happen, we'll actually be able to see some of those guys get, A, their proper respect, but B, ideally some compensation and support. Because, you know, a guy like David Banner is able to now, basically, you don't have to work again. Your royalties will continue to come. Your business is handled. You're set up. These guys didn't understand what they were getting into in 1981. Uh Yeah. What is, what is your what is your businesses now? What do we what do we do? DavidBanner.com, where are we going? Um DavidBanner.com is 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 probably the hub that you should go to. But um uh, if if people want to see something I've been doing for like the last 15 years, um go to a bannervision.com. I've been scoring movies and video games uh and commercials, more commercials than anything. I did the second biggest Gatorade commercial in history ever. Which one was um, it? It was the one with Venus, uh, Dwight Howard, Michael Jordan, um, and Muhammad Ali. Um, and you scored, came- you, you scored it. You mm-hmm. played all the music for it. And what happened with me was that I, when I thought I was done with hip-hop, uh, I prayed one day and asked for a sign. And what came to me from the Most High was stop, to stop chasing men and start chasing sounds. Mm. So anywhere there's an artificial sound, you could get paid to put that sound in it. Right. So like something as simple as you remember when they when they first got the chips for the uh, uh, for the credit card machine, everybody credit card sound like it was being rejected. It was just going. Ah, ah, ah. I was like, damn. If I can find out who can let me make the sound be more pleasurable. Because I knew I had money on my credit card, but every time I would put the chip in, it would make that obnoxious-ass sound. That's like, that's yeah. money. Yeah. You know? And I started making... Matter of fact, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it too much, but, like, I'm getting paid an unbelievable amount of money for doing, um, what, eight seconds? Doing an eight-second sound. You know, um, doing... Like, that's one of the things I want to tell the young producers. We chase after rappers, and if you really look at hip-hop, and this is sad to say, but I just want to say it. You know, I don't make my money from hip-hop, and that's sad. I just continue to be in hip-hop so I can be tapped into my people, and I can get my messages out, and it's a great commercial. Don't get me wrong. Anytime I put out an album, anytime I put out music, I go on shows, I'm able to talk, and I'm able I mean, you still love it, don't you? Um, <laughs> um, I, I'll say this, and, and this is another thing Erica Badu taught me. I've been through so much trauma with hip hop and music. And I realized I used to say that the label that I used to be on, um, not Steve Rifkin, but uh, the bigger label that I was on, I would always say that they took away my love for hip hop. Damn. And I, real, I realized they didn't take it away. I gave it away. It's not the music. It's the business of music. Yeah. And, and then I realized that they even didn't take it away then. 
people can't fuck over you, only your lack of knowledge. I say you a slave to anything that you don't know. The crazy thing now, like a lot of rappers, shoot, even my mentor called me because my mentor is about to, to do a podcast and he wants me to read over his contracts. When I did my first Gatorade commercial, I wrote my contract. People don't even understand contracts are, are, are just something to solidify a deal. You can write it and give it to the company and they sign it. You don't have to sign the contract. If you're hot enough and you have something that people need, you control it. Any it's infinite things that you can put inside of a contract. But most of us, we're battling for our base needs and we're only looking at the money. If you look at record deals, most of the time it's two pages that vaguely tell you how much money they're going to give to you and what they're going to do for you. And that's very vague. But then there's 30 pages saying what they expect from you. Yeah. And they specifically, all yeah. the way down to the last line, design, I mean, uh, um, tell you what you owe them and what you're supposed to give them. Yeah. The only reason why it's that way because of our lack of knowledge. But what I'll say is that I'm not emotional about hip hop anymore. Um, I love it. Uh, I actually started back when you guys are going to be very, very proud of the God Box too. I did the first God Box with, with no samples at all. The song with Big Crit, My Uzi, I actually had a symphony orchestra on it. And I really thought that hip hop was going to give me my propers. And then people was just like, that's a dope sample. And I was like, dude, I paid for that white girl on the oboe. Like, give me, give me that credit. But um, but but this this album, ninety percent of it was uh, was just as as good as I am with playing and all the instruments and producers and stuff. Most of this album was done with a turntable and an MPC. You know, it's like how I did my first album. So there's a texture. Uh, the sad thing is, I had I have this record with uh with Benny the Butcher that I chopped up Aretha Franklin respect and screwed it. It's one of the most amazing songs that I've heard in hip hop. Aretha Franklin's camp didn't clear it, you know, maybe because of the uh, the things that we Content. talked about. And, and maybe because it was the respect song and that was the name of the movie. Right. So maybe they didn't want to jam that up. But like, I, I, I really wish I could just release this record like and without no compensation and just let people hear it. Because even the people at the clearance company called Regina, and they was like, man, this shit dope. <laughs> like, we're sorry, but we just want to call y'all and tell y'all that this fucking record is amazing. Wow. Uh, well, listen, if you want to just if you want to just have it played, feel free to give it to me. I'll let it out to the world. I'll take it. I'm good. If they want to cease and desist, they can. Okay, my bad. All right, all right. Yo, um... Hey, Banner, thank you, man. Anyway, that was David Banner, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. Hey, David Banner's back on our Patreon show now. Oh, David Banner's back. My fault, y'all. Hey, listen, this has been the worst goodbye of all time. We can can put a bow on this thing properly. That's all right. Hey, man, we appreciate you so much, bro. We're going to hit you up again. We'd love to have you. Anytime you have some shit you're trying to say um, and you want a different place to do it, please just hit us. Yeah, um, I just want to say in, in, in part and in closing, thank you both. Um, I also like to say thank you to all my old fans and new fans. Uh, I realized something special about my career is that people know me from rap. People know me from the Vendetta Fight for New York game. Yep. People know me from my early acting career, my conscious career, my speaking. You know, um, I'm on a show called Saints and Sinners and all of the elders love that show. So now I'm past the green. There's so many ways and so many people who love me who uh, have allowed my career to flourish. But I just want to say thank you to all the hip-hop fans who allowed me to grow up. When they see most, they talk about people being conscious and doing better music. But every time that somebody tries to do better, people don't fucking support them. So the fact that people have allowed me to grow, people still support me. You know, when we were talking about people not giving us our flowers early, let me say mm-hmm. what's the positive thing about my career. Most of the people who I used to compete with back in the day, they couldn't give away an album if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, nobody wants them on their podcast. 
the fact that I can still make a way for my family and my employees, I have successfully, and I think this is the thing that makes me most proud about myself, is I haven't missed payroll in over five years. You know, and I have to pay, I have a grandmother on my staff. You know, I have to pay payroll whether money is coming in or not. And I'll say something that most <clears throat> rappers won't say. There was a period when I first opened up my uh, my company, I was making a lot of money, but trying to build my company was more expensive. And I remember a time when I was David, David Banner and, you know, cars, everything. I didn't, after I paid my staff, I didn't have enough money to eat with. Word. You know, and because I was so outwardly successful, but my bills to start my company was more than what was coming in. I mean, it was a lot of money. Um, I'm so glad that I didn't quit. And most most people won't tell people about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And and I'm I'm grateful to you all to to shine light on what I'm doing. Allow me to say the shit that I say, because there's a lot of platforms that don't want to hear my truth. So thank you both. I appreciate the the history and the future that we all make together. Thank you. Always, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, Thank you for beautiful. being a part of it. Thank you for my shout out that sparked this whole conversation, man. I really appreciate it. David Banner, ladies and gentlemen.